I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So uh, here we are back. Almost by popular demand. If you can count two... By tw- demand? Just maybe not popular? Well, if you can count two tweets as popular demand, two to... Actually, we've had more than that, but two today. Uh, That's and a lot for today. Just one day. Uh, and Midweek, though, isn't it? People mm. always... They don't know what to do with themselves midweek, mm. so... Well, Anthony59 has sent one saying, how's Ruth? Just is he, purely... Is his name Anthony, like... I presume his name is... K-N-E-U, that's clever, that. Yeah, I presume his name's Anthony, but he calls himself Anthony, 59, um, who just asks, how's Ruth, basically? Wow. And um, Richard Joy... Living the dream. <laughs> Richard Joy, who... Um, Radio 4 put a thing out there saying, what uh, podcasts are you listening to during lockdown to assuage the pain of lockdown? And uh, he mentioned our podcast, which is nice of him, especially as we've not been doing it. Yeah. It was extremely... In fact, it's almost as popular (laughs) when it's not on as it is when it is on. Perhaps even more because people are pleased that it's not not constant. No, that's true. Anyway, so he's he's kindly done that. But for people who are wondering why we're not doing it, or we haven't been doing it, and I can see entirely from your point of view, is that when you're at uni or you're out at college, you're talking about general stuff. To be honest, I use it a lot to catch you up as well. You Mm. know, like... We really didn't speak that much in the no. week at all. And even less, I, I didn't really speak to mum, barely at all. Like, I, I wasn't a massive one for phoning home every day no. and keeping you really up to date. Um, so I genuinely was telling you about stuff. Whereas now, I'm living at home. I'm also not really doing heaps no, of stuff. Because, not doing heaps of stuff. So I'm, like, doing the normal stuff, which is, like, seeing friends and going out and stuff like that. But nothing, nothing to really inform on. Mm. So it just seemed kind of... Well, I know you... you like No, you're probably right, because uh, I know you... So, so welcome! <laughs> yeah, well, you, but we're back now. Well, the reason is, I would say, we did the lockdown sessions where we talked about being locked down and the agony of that for you as a, as a young student, as a teenager. So we talked, we did that for the lockdown sessions. Now we're in a sort of a, uh, a midway point between absolute lockdown and, if the scientists are right, the second wave of the coronavirus... Oh. Uh, and if they're not right, I'm not going to believe anything that scientists say in the future. So we, I don't think that should be a, I don't think that should be a go-to. But you know, well, that, that's my view on it. Uh, but anyway, so at the moment, w- w- you were sort of out and about a wee bit more than we were when we did our last podcast, which was the, the lockdown sessions when we were totally Is that about locked a month down. Ago? 
be about a month ago. But I can see that was when from, you really yeah. couldn't do anything. Like you couldn't even go for walks no, or anything like that. That's right. And I, I was trying to persuade you to do a, a podcast, but then I thought, well, no, you don't like to get too personal. And at that point, the only thing that you had was the personal life. You didn't have yeah, any, yeah, yeah, and just any public life. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like sometimes I don't like the idea of having, which is it's such a ridiculous thing because it's like I live in this generation where you can really build like a huge picture of people um, without even knowing them. And I think like the more you put out, and I'm not saying it's even necessarily a bad thing because I would never say anything online that I wasn't all right with people hearing, but people then fill in the blanks for themselves. And like, mm. I do, and obviously this barely gets any listeners. And so I can't imagine how... <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse <laughs> no, but me, like, thousands. In comparison to someone who has, what, 30,000 Instagram followers or, or a huge YouTube following or something like that. Like, it's not really anything. 29,000 Twitter followers, <laughs> I'm just saying. But it is that people can start to fill in their own gaps and then people meet you and, like, I don't know... You probably have never experienced this because you've well, never podcasts been. Podcasts didn't exist when no, I was no, your age. Or not even podcasts, but just like you didn't really have when you were, especially when you were meeting people. So like, microphones had only just been invented <laughs> when I was your age. As soon as I would meet a boy, I would instantly go on. Oh, what's he got on Instagram? What's he got on Facebook? And then you can build this whole picture yeah. of someone. Someone gives my name one Google into. And you're on the whole I thing, mean, yeah. I don't know how often people actually do Google people because I would never Google someone. I think that's quite weird, but and. And so, yeah, like, it is... I don't know, I think just being in lockdown and stuff, it does make you think about, like, how much stuff you share. Yeah. I guess cause just because you, because you become quite introspective. Because yeah. Not, not so much anymore, because I have, I'm able to leave the house. <laughs> but at the, at the start, I think it, it was. Mm. No, so I say, I fully understand. But people have asked how you are you know every now and then we get a, a twitter saying asking how you are mm. and i will say truculent uh, <laughs> truculent um, it's not but, very nice no but i, I always uh, do tell them or try and explain why you've not wanted to do do the podcast uh, but anyway we're doing it again now so that's the good news playing hard to get that's what it is <laughs> Have you heard of the expression a Karen? Calling somebody oh, a Karen. Karen yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, it's a new one on me. Really? Um, I've not heard that. Mm, but apparently there's a podcast called No Country for Young Women where they, they're talking about uh, women not being Karens. And a Karen, I'm told, is uh, an American term for pushy middle-aged women who do not acknowledge their social and racial privilege. Which is interesting because for a number of years before I met your mother, I did go out with a girl called Karen and I never thought of her as being particularly privileged or pushy well, or anything no, like that. She, she wouldn't have been middle-aged, would she? Not then, but she now is a middle-aged Karen. Well, maybe uh, she is a Karen. You don't well, know I don't anymore. know. We've not been in touch. But uh, <laughs> it, is a, um, it is interesting that they use the word Karen. Whether that in America... You know, I, think, sort of, I think it started off as a joke. Mm. And it's that specific like hairstyle, you know, like a sweeping. And is it just white women are called Karen, black women? It's not a black person's it's name. Just, yeah, and it's just yeah, exactly. And it's just a name that a lot of is. I think probably Janet. My mum's name is Janet, but Janet is the equivalent of Karen. The British equivalent of Karen. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the name is quite as used over here. No, but. Um, I think Janet would be your equivalent name. So your mum is a Janet. <laughs> well, no, she's, she's not a Karen, but she is named Janet. But you know, my mum has 
she has a group of like three other friends and like three out of four of them are called Janet. Like she, like it's quite unbelievable, really. Yeah, she said that Sophie Hagen, who I do know, she's a, a Danish comedian. I don't know whether you've yeah, ever seen her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually seen her live. She's she's quite funny. But anyway, she's. Um, you know, Large woman. She is said, that relevant? Yeah, it is, because a lot of it, very relevant, because a lot of her comedy uh, does refer to that. So I feel... But is um, it relevant to this story? No, it's not relevant well, to this story. Well, there we go then. <laughs> but I thought, I, I was just trying to point out, in case you didn't know and you'd seen her on the Live at the Apollo, uh, you knew which one it was. But anyway, she said... Sophie Hagen, that white women should, quote, shut up if called out for behaviour that others deem racist or problematic. She said, when you're called out, you're meant to be quiet, you're meant to take it, you're meant to learn. Then you can say, thank you for educating me. Uh, it's going a bit far, I would have uh, said. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's, a, like, some of these things, I understand the, um, the, the concept behind it, and I think, mm. yeah, she's absolutely right, but... Some of those like jargon work things go a bit far for me, and like there's I can't remember what it was, but someone said like stop saying sorry, stop saying sorry for being late, just say thank you for waiting for me. And if someone <laughs> said that to me rather than sorry I'm late, it would not be well received. No, I think who puts it actually better, Shauna from South London in the Winter Love Island, Dad. Ah, of course you're watching Winter I'm Love watching Island, Winter, right? Winter Love Island. So, this was I, the one that was on one just was before. On this is, I mean, first of all, the producers of Love Island basically predicted this pandemic situation by having a winter Love Island. But that's by they the knew. by. They knew. This but is your conspiracy theory. It's not conspiracy. Were they in cahoots with the Chinese? Then did the Chinese. If you have, like, just so much solid proof, is something even a conspiracy theory? Yeah, it's still a conspiracy. Basically, if it's on uh, the internet, it's a conspiracy theory. I don't theory. even think anyone's put this on the internet. So this is just your theory. Well, I mean, I'm sure someone else has said it. Because this was the, I've never the, seen the, it. this was the first time they had a winter love Ex- island. Exactly by coincidence. Yeah, interesting. Isn't it? So you're watching that. So I'm watching that because I never, I didn't watch it because I had better things to do, and now I don't have better things to do. Or, or I do, but I'm ignoring the better things. <laughs> um, and so I'm watching that, and Shauna is with this boy called Callum, and they were having like a little bit of a tiff, and then Shauna goes. Don't listen to respond, listen to understand. And I thought, she's, she's on Don't something listen there. to respond, listen to understand. Yeah, yeah. And so that's don't the same be thinking sort of, in yeah. your head, oh, I, how, what am I going to fight back on this? And like, what am I going to say to this? Listen to actually understand someone's point of view, which is, I think, what she's saying. So it's more of, don't make it about me, me, me. Is it, yeah, is yeah, or just, just don't... Is it a case of not making it about... Yeah, or like, don't, don't, be, don't listen because you want to say someone's wrong. I don't listen because you want to start speaking. Listen because you actually do want to understand them. Like, uh, don't listen passively, listen actively. But as this privileged white male that I am, if I wanted to comment on Black Lives Matter, mm. basically, should I shut up and just not comment? It depends, or should it depends I, what you want Because you, you have said in the say. past, if you're not black... Well, it's not... It's like, I don't think it's hugely your place. So there's, um, there's a girl on YouTube and I've forgotten her name but she does videos about like clothes and makeup and like mm. not not particularly sort of politically active like content and stuff and I saw I, I don't watch her videos and I wish I could remember her name I can't but I saw on Twitter that she'd um at the start of all her videos she gives like 10 minutes to a black per- a black person or a person of colour where 
they are able to talk about their perspective on something or their their problems or like one particular issue that they want to raise and she gives she just introduces it and then she gives them the platform and then she has it back and like I think that's a good way to do it is just saying like you don't have to be like oh I really care or like I think this issue is important you can actually like I think that's the best way is just to give your platform to someone else Of course, Ruth, uh, one of the things you, you could be doing, you know, when you said you've got nothing more important to do, is don't turn your face away. One of the things you could be doing is university work. If oh, you're being, don't it, talk to me about university work, Dad. Well, is, is it the case that they've they've not provided you with enough stuff? Or? Um, no, because like. I don't think they did originally. Like, I don't think we really had much work to do or anything, but in fact, we're first year, so it doesn't really matter. But now, there's plenty of things that I could be getting on with. Well, like what? I mean... Oh, like I should be doing vocab and grammar practice and just, like, I could be doing, like, practice essays, probably. Uh, um, Why aren't you? I mean... Yeah, I'm not open to any sort of explanation. It's... Why, why does anyone not... Why are you not writing a novel? Uh, well, I'm not writing... It's a good point. No, I accept the point. I'm not writing a novel because I haven't been commissioned to write. If somebody was to say to me, we want you to... You need to... I've got an idea in my head. I've got a hell of a good idea in my head. But yes, but why are you writing it? Because there's no deadline. And... Yeah, exactly. I'm not, okay. I'm not struggling to film a day in that I've got... I've still got a couple of radio shows. I don't know. So, like, I just... I. You know when you just not why why do you why do you put off doing anything mm. just because you just don't don't do it? It's yes, it's true. But can you not put a sort of self-imposed deadline on yourself? You, I mean, you I have... have an actual imposed deadline, which is the start of university. I should have I should revise. When are you starting that. again? It's like October first. Freshers' week is the week, the last week of September. Right. I think, and then proper lessons start on October first. But I'm um, being like a helper person for the freshers week oh you so you've signed so up so i for do that. have stuff to do that week so i probably want to be last week of september last week of september you're yeah. back so but i'm going back mm. the first of september mm. going back to uni because that's when my lease on my house starts see what interests me is that you've uh, in terms of going back to university um mm-hmm. you've done sort of stuff like buying cutlery for your house i mean that's only because grandma made us go to i <laughs> Ikea. And you've bought... So you're sort of getting prepared for being in the house with your... your, Is there five or six of you? There's six of us all together. Six of you going into the house. So you're getting prepared for that, but not getting prepared for the very important French and Spanish that you would be doing... You'll be doing in class. I'm not particularly... I'm not really prepared to move into this house. I have a set of cutlery. That's about as far as my preparations are. No, I saw some... some I've got some pillars, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not like... It's not like I'm dedicating loads of time to getting prepared to go into this house what about your mattress topper because i always remember my, what... oh my mattress topper was absolutely incredible well i know we had all it this was... when we did the uh, other yeah. podcast um, but that's not it will was that never fit mine. on your new bed no, it, in, so that's no that's a single bed mattress topper and i have a double bed this year and that mattress topper is my cousin's because she had the same thing where she had a single bed in uh. first year and then so she gave me that and at this now no mattress topper. Well, do you not have to get a mattress topper sorted? Well, I mean, like at home, I don't. You, I don't have a mattress topper, do I? So, no. I mean, I could but you, just sleep. you were going on last year about how the mattress topper was the greatest invention <laughs> since sliced bread. It wasn't. 
it was unreal to be honest yeah. and I would like another but that mattress topper I think was like it's like a memory foam really chunky one like I doubt I'll get one well you've not been see that's something you could so be so I'll, I'll start a GoFundMe page <laughs> GoFundMe a mattress topper well you, you double could... a double one as well that's, that must be expensive I've no idea I've never bought a mattress topper but no neither no. Well, that's something you could be doing is researching mattress toppers. <laughs> From that, how many? I've got, I think I've got about 51 days before the lease on my house starts. So it'll be 50 days of just pure research into mattress toppers. Obviously, yeah. leaving sort of a week for delivery of the mattress topper. Mm. But like that a week for delivering and a day for research, for uh, work, university work. <laughs> but, so that, that mattress topper, the one that went on my single bed, was like so big because it came in a big roll. Like that'd be huge if it was for a double bed. Mm, well, It'd be double the size, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, that's normally the way it works. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, something else that interested me about York University, I don't know whether you, you're probably the person to comment on this, but uh, I know you have a lot of Chinese students at York University and yeah. they rely on the Chinese yeah, influx the money. For, for money. But this struck me as, uh, it was a story I saw in the papers, it struck me as slightly questionable. Um, and it's a lot of British universities who, like York, uh, rely on Chinese students. Mm. Uh, and at the moment, of course, it's digital learning, isn't it? It's all uh, online. And uh, it says here four institutions. I mean, at the moment, there's no learning going on. No. Well, it's it says correct. here four, they're piloting new stuff, but it says four institutions are piloting a new online teaching platform for students in China, which will allow them to continue or start degrees at UK institutions, even if they stay at home in the autumn term because of the pandemic. However, the, all these uh, these materials have to be approved by the Chinese government. So it's they're getting learning materials, but it's censored. Uh, the pilot scheme involves King's College London, Queen Mary University in London, York, and hey. Southampton. Yes, well, you can say, hey, but in a way, you could see this as kowtowing to the uh, to the Chinese. Yeah, no, um, that's wrong. I don't know. I don't no, know what I can not, do I about that. To, 
there's not a lot you can do <laughs> yeah. except I suppose get together with some of your student friends and uh, ask the university what's happening you, you know yeah so you... I worry that I don't feel strongly enough about anything do you know what I mean like I see I know, these people set up these like societies to fight against things and I just I'm like yeah it's brilliant and like I really I hate censorship and I really disagree with that but you know what I mean? Like, I know do you exactly what you mean. You just, yeah, you I just do. don't care enough about anything, really. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'll tell you what. Some t- in the past, I used to write uh, travel articles for the Mail on Sunday and various mm. stuff for the Daily Mail. And the guy who at the time was editing what they call the op-ed page. Now, the op-ed page is you've got the editorials, you know, which is the newspaper's opinion on this, that, and the other, and then you have a, a little section opposite the editorial page where people express strong opinions you know so you've got people like David Starkey the historian or Peter Hitchens all famous journalists put um, their opinions and this guy said how would you like to write and you know it makes that sort of pitchforks you into the league of being a you know an opinion former this is I'm talking 20 years ago maybe now and he said How? <laughs> you're not going to be an opinion farmer no, anymore not now definitely that not that ship has sailed that ship's well sailed that ship has steamed out of the harbour yeah <laughs> However, at that point, he said to me, how do you write, like to write one of these op-ed columns in the Daily Mail? And I thought, yeah, what a great boost. That. Mm. And I sat down in front of, might have even been this computer, it was the one before this. I sat down in front of my uh, laptop all day trying mm. to engender strong opinions on something and I really couldn't, you know, maybe one or two football issues I was fairly... <laughs> but there was nothing that I could... Uh, and I thought, no, it's just not me. I'm not one of those but people. Isn't that and maybe like, you're, what, it is worrying. <laughs> what do you do for the rest of your life? Like, you just don't... Like, and I see these people, and like, sometimes I don't even agree with them. And they're, like, arguing about stuff. And I think, God, I've never felt like... I will happily debate something with mm. someone. And I, I, I like to be knowledgeable, and I like to read about stuff. But... I can see these people and they such passion and I'm thinking I've never felt like that. No. Never ever. Maybe we are just too white privileged. That's what we are. No, but there's plenty of people who are even more privileged and have it more easy. There's lots of people more privileged. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? And yeah. But they do. They still feel like... I just don't know whether I would ever feel passionate enough about something no. to like well, make You could ask, though, couldn't you? When you go back to York University, you could ask... You know, just say to somebody or send an email saying, but You've got to what really you want to do it, haven't you? But I'd like to know why are they kowtowing to the Chinese? There might be a good uh, a good reason. Well, I suppose the reason is money, isn't it? And universities. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Solved. Well, Solved, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that's a worry, really. Mm. Because like, also, like, what do I do for the rest of my life if I don't really want to do particularly anything? Well, um, there's always journalism. <laughs> there's always Those journalism. Those who can't do right yeah. about it. <laughs> Something else that I found quite interesting about universities, we've talked about this subject quite a bit, especially when you were at uni, and that's uh, sexual harassment and all that. Um, All that. Yeah, well, a St Andrews University student, uh, fraternity. Do you have fraternities in York? No, No. but we have rugby social clubs. Rugby social, yeah. I think essentially the Mm, same thing. Same sort of thing. Anyway. Any uh, sports, yeah. so, not girls' ones, but any boys' yeah. sports social group is, I think. Like a fraternity. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're like they are in America, but they've got the same kind of camaraderie mm. and sort of 
making everyone drink as much as each yeah. other. Uh, St Andrews University Student Fraternity has suspended several members amid claims that a dozen sexual assaults took place at its society events. Oh my God. The allegations against members of Alpha Epsilon Pi, that's A-E Pi... I didn't know uh, they had these at St Andrews. Well, at St Andrews, were contained among more than 50 first-hand accounts published on social media about sexual abuse at the university, uh, where, of course, the Duke of Cambridge uh, studied. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just wondered if it was more... Awful. You read about it at posh universities like St Andrews and mm. Oxford and Cambridge and Durham to an extent, but not so much... You know, you very rarely read about it at Salford or Keele and I'm just wondering if you felt that uh, this sort of uh, sexual assault culture is more prevalent at the very posh universities at the St Andrews I think that's fair I think the more you feel privileged and the more you feel the less you feel like you're going to be caught the more likely the more likely you are to do something like I mean there's the whole like the Bullingdon club in um, Oxford Oxford, and those kids who went they all went to Eton and Harrow and stuff Um, and they, there was loads of stuff that was about them and their like antics and mm. stuff. With it was mostly like whatever. sort of taking the Mickey out of waiters and people of the lower orders. Oh yeah, it? there was a lot of that, but there was a lot of like hiring of prostitutes, but it not them not actually being prostitutes. It, you know, yeah. like lots of stuff like that, which I think is along the same vein as like any kind of sexual assault case. And um, yeah, I think uh, you don't want to demonise all posh mm. people because I don't think that's fair, but. Um, I do think there probably is something to say and like a kind of thing of like the Bullingdon Club just because I think that's something that people all know and like you've heard of people whereas I don't know who these boys who went to St Andrews are I think one of the things if you've read the play Posh there's kind of I think like undertones of because the world that that they were brought up in and stuff and I mean if you've seen Downton Abbey it's all about that like the world that they exist Mm. in is being is disappearing. Johnson like, is not a documentary though. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but you know, but I'm just saying like it's a common a common concept which is that like where do you fit in after the world that you've been brought up in or the the world that your parents were existed in? Like where do you go in that? And I think one of the things and it's like if those usual power constructs that have always been there get taken away from you then like where does the power then fall to how do you show that you're superior to someone else when you know you no longer have servants and you're not going to sit in the house of lords Mm. and like what what happens then so i think there's probably something there but i don't know Should we lighten it up with a bit of music i've chosen the kinks and autumn almanac uh, I know you've heard this before, but now's your opportunity to hear it again. I chose that was to talk about Ray Davis who's the leader of the Kinks Sir Raymond Douglas Davis CBE born 21st June 1944 often referred to as the godfather of Britpop I know uh, Damon Alburn very much influenced by him um, you might be interested in his upbringing. He came from Fortis Green, North London, which now is quite a middle-class gentrified area, but then was very working class. And probably, with the exception of Lennon McCartney, the best English songwriter of that uh, era. And you've chosen Mahalia. Tell me about yeah, Mahalia. Mahalia. 
this is the song I wish I missed my ex. You know I've been waiting for this call. Maybe I don't wanna do this all today. Don't you know you're so predictable? I can tell you everything you're gonna say. Like hey, your heart, how you been lately? I've been missing you, baby. Did you like it? I, th I did like it actually. Um, Mahalia is similar to uh, Georgia Smith. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well done. Did you? Did someone tell you that? Or did you say that yourself? And also emotional oranges. No, when I, I don't know emotional oranges. Ah, well, uh, when I went onto uh, Spotify to look for yeah. Mahalia, I saw that they have that thing. Say, oh, the similar to bar on similar Spotify. Similar to thing. So good. Yeah. yeah. It's actually. And yeah, it, really so you want to check out Emotional Oranges because they're similar yeah. to whoever they are. They're so, Mahalia, um, I saw like three or four years ago when I oh, went you to saw a festival, her? yeah. Mm. Um, I went to a festival, I don't know, I was about 16. Um, and we saw Mahalia when she was just very, not very popular at all. Like, she was at a smaller festival and stuff. Probably Is she named problems. after Mahalia Jackson? I have absolutely no idea. Oh. Um, but she's really worth listening to. And she's kind of got like her early stuff is actually very different to this. This stuff's a bit more hip hoppy. I suspect she is. She took the name from Mahalia Jackson, or her parents possibly did, because she was um, a gospel singer in America. Mahalia Jackson, really, really, uh, she was described as the single most powerful black woman in the United States, and that would have been during the nineteen uh, sort of forties, thirties, or forties. So it wouldn't surprise me. Should we look at the emails? A lot of the emails, a lot of them. David Sharrett simply emailed, where's my podcast? See, it looks like it's a personal thing. He says, Ruth and Martin, I hope you're both keeping well. Another great podcast, please. So he means that last, we enjoyed the last one that we did ages and ages ago. Um, don't make me start a petition. Good, yeah. So <laughs> um, Ian Taylor says, hello, Martin and Ruthie. Long time listener, first time correspondent and number one fan. Although the expression number one fan is, is a sort of double-edged sword. In, uh, Why is that? Well, because um, in the Alan Partridge show on telly, he met his number one fan, who turned out to be more of a stalker than a fan. Oh, okay. and, well, uh, I don't think this guy No, is. no, of course he's not. And there was The Fan was a film with Robert De Niro, where I think it was Robert De Niro, but it was certainly The Fan was a film where the number one fan again turned out to be... A bit of a stalker, but I'm sure Ian Taylor that way definitely isn't because he says first time goes on one thing. I started at episode one after coming across the podcast at episode seven, so he went back to those uh, really early ones that we did mm. uh, under our own uh, steam. Really, uh, he says I'm 57. My daughter is 23, coming on 24. I can relate to very much of what you both talk about, and it saddens me that my daughter doesn't listen, despite my constant attempts to persuade her to listen. Fair enough. So it's I more or less what you said. Either. No, it's we're uh, we're appealing to middle-aged uh, males. I think it's what you said. Um, I understand now after Ruth explaining how she feels when her dad is over enthusiastic about something. <laughs> I live in the East Riding of Yorkshire, which says sounds better than the outskirts of Hull. Um, my daughter lives in Grimsby with her mother. We were on a trip up to Scotland uh, around March 2018. I was looking forward to re-listening to the first six or seven episodes with my daughter, thus making the journey more pleasurable. With great excitement, <laughs> I... This is awful, I don't want to ever have 
I've just read the email. This is with incredible. great excitement. I started the first episode, and as soon as Ruth spoke, my daughter said, "I don't like her already." Well, as you can imagine, as what? You can see, everyone dislikes me, and no one dislikes you. It's odd, isn't it? Well, as you can imagine, I was crestfallen, and the journey was completed with Louise. He says naming and shaming now, but she's not listening any. With her earphones in and constantly messaging, Instagramming, etc. While I listen to talk sport. You should be having a year abroad, but presumably because that's... Um, not right now. Mine, mine's not next year, but the year after. But the year after. But given that there's been a, a sort of... Backlog. A backlog, yeah. Will you... Because some people who should there's, have been having yeah. it, you know, want to see... I think there's talk of moving my year abroad to my final year of uni. Yeah. Um, but... I Would that make sense? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I suppose... It would kind, of, it, but it would mean you'd have to do all your assessments and stuff before you'd actually lived in the the country. So I assume your like language levels wouldn't be as good. But it would mean that I would get to do my third year with the people who I'm friends with now. Well, apart from obviously the people who also do languages, but the people who don't do a four year course, I would get mm. to do another year with them. But I don't know. I think it's all very much up in the air. Now, uh, this is this is stating the obvious, really. Students' satisfaction with universities has declined for the first time in three years. I think uh, that would have happened anyway, just because of all those strikes. Well, People it says really here, like after lecturer strikes were followed by the coronavirus pandemic, so it couldn't really have been worse. It says their mental health, far worse than other young people their age, has deteriorated That's sharply. Not good, is it? <laughs> no, in the past year. Only 11% were satisfied with their life, compared with 27% of young people overall. Experts fear this could worsen next year when the student experience will be drastically different. Um, that's the problem, isn't it? As long as, uh, until there's a vaccine, it's not going to be like university, not going to be like it was when you started. No, no. It's Anybody said anything about what, what it might be like next year? Well, just that the same thing that I think everyone's always suspected is that lectures are going to be online and all the other teaching done first to first. But, I mean, I've said it before, but, like, it's not, university is not solely about the teaching, is it? Certainly not the way you've been doing it. It's been, uh... <laughs> no, but, you know, like, for anyone, anyone would say that it's... And I think universities would be kidding themselves if they say they can give a similar experience because I think lectures being online will not make people's experience very different at all because a lecture, you literally do sit there, listen and take notes. Like, that's no different. But it's all the other stuff and societies and sports and all that kind of thing. Something else we've talked about, cancel culture. I'm not sure we've done it here, but we've talked about it in uh, the fact that J.K. Rowling is getting all sorts of problems on uh, uh, on Twitter and social networks and all that. I'm a big fan of J.K. Rowling, not the writing so much, but uh, the fact that she did it, you know, she pulled us... I what? don't know why you say that. She shouldn't have said anything like what she said. Well, well what did she say? She, she was, she, was know, marvelously it's sarcastic. Just that, no, it's not just that one tweet, though, either. And she liked loads of things that were, like, very anti uh, they're very transphobic and her, her, the pseudonym that she takes for her books um, the male is it a man's name? yeah, yeah um, she does for her uh, like crime detective thriller. books yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, those books the, the name is of like a trans exclusionary is it? are you sure people yeah someone just... who like believes in yeah you know it definitely is yeah, J.K. Rowling's uh, pseudonym that she does for a detective is Robert Galbraith. Yeah, so Nobody even said anything about that. When, but, no, but I'm just saying... And we've like, had to it, Google it. It says it's that it's a coincidence. 
I mean, maybe it is just a very unfortunate coincidence, but you'd think someone as big as J.K. Rowling would search every... You wouldn't necessarily... I mean, what it says on Twitter or on the internet here is J.K. Rowling's pen name is also the name of an anti-LGBTQ plus conversion therapist. It's very likely a coincidence, but Rowling has yet to comment on the unfortunate connection. I don't blame her. Why why should she comment? Yeah, I suppose, but there is a lot of stuff that she has said. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe wrote that article um, that said you know, he disagrees completely with the stuff that she's saying and, like, I don't think it should be taken lightly and it has, like... And people have been talking about how it's really ruined the books for them if they are trans and stuff. Yeah, well, they're adults. They shouldn't be reading kids' books No, anyway. there's plenty of ch- children who are trans as well, Bab. Yes, but I don't know whether the Harry Potter generation tend to be largely millennials. Yeah, but you still then start to read them. They don't. Mm. The books don't disappear. It's not like, oh, you missed out because you're not part of the generation. Like People start to read them when they're 10 years old or whatever. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I bet the people who are whinging about uh, Harry Potter books are tend to be yeah, people but- who've grown up with them. Yeah, probably too, but it's like it's a really special thing if you've grown up with mm. it. But and like, as she's given the it'd be like it'd be for me. Because you don't it'd agree be the with equivalent if Jacqueline Wilson came out as a massive bigot. She's a member of the Nazi Party. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it, it would it would be the same. Like it would, well, I know it's just how it it they're the books. There's a, we've you know, had this conversation with Woody Allen. There are the books. There's what yeah, no, and I think that's fine. But I'm just saying that like I don't just don't think she she had any right to say what she said. It's not no, an opinion either, got... really. If, well, it's it's an opinion. if it's disagreeing with like the fact that someone has. The I'm not right actually saying people shouldn't be trans. Like... She said the exact opposite. She said she's yeah, great. I, I don't want to get into it. No, is that another thing that you don't really care about enough <laughs> to get into? I do care. I just don't, probably don't know enough about it. I'm trying to find stuff that's uh, uplifting in all the stuff I'm reading about students and uh, people your age in lockdown. Uh, I'm just looking at a headline here, which you're looking over and see. Students lose offers of jobs and internships. More bad news for you. Almost a third of students in their final year at university... Looking for good news in in newspapers or on Twitter or on the TV news at Mm. the moment is like... Looking for a needle and a haystack. Is there any good news when you're talking to your friends and all that, or are you all a bit... Not uh, really, no. no. Good good news. Not like... There's no global good news. There's not a lot of global... Well, there will be. Yeah, I mean, no, but they're like individual stories. There's not like a global upturn. So, nothing funny to finish the podcast with? A message of hope for your many fans? Not really. Just, you know, what what did Gemma Collins say? Uh, She said, like... Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough out there. Uh, keep on washing the hands, you know. Corona, and that was just it. That was the whole quote. Good. Well, that's the message from you then. It's tough out keep there. Keep on washing the hands. Keep on washing the hands. Corona. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 